The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Don. Good to see you both again this uh, this week. Yeah, good morning, Scott. So holidays fast approaching, you know, we went through uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday. Uh, What's your take on what the Christmas season will be like this year? Are we spending the same? Are we spending less like everybody's saying? What do you think? Well, you know what? It seems like the results were pretty good for, uh, you know, they always say they're always lower for some reason. But yet everybody seems to still have uh, at the end of the day in January, they all say, well, we spent a little bit more than we thought. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I never exactly take the news as as gospel until you find out in January what really people spent. But it seems to be busy. Yeah, people are still uh, out there. Um, But at the same time, some of the luxury items are probably taking a bit of a backseat. And so they're being a bit more careful. You know, it's funny. I was listening to something about Christmas trees. There's a Christmas tree shortage this year. And it's like, well, haven't we been saying that for about the last three years? Yeah. And they're going up 10%. And I'm thinking, well, what is it? All right. <laughs> yeah, All right. Uh, Jay, you know, uh, you're, you're going to start this uh, breakfast time with some lunch. W- what's this alphabet soup you want to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, quickly on that Christmas tree thing, they uh, I used to volunteer at the Ikea lot in, in, in out in Burlington, and they actually have a shortage of trees. It's, yeah. it's a legitimate thing. They don't have any trees. So, But I, I think um, more of it has to do with just the lack of growers and people getting out of the business and not sure. getting into it and such. For yeah. Sure. So, it's, sure. uh, you for know, sure. like everything. Okay. So alphabet soup. So Christmas is coming. Um, holiday season. A lot of people going to work parties. We're back in full swing again. Things are things are back to somewhat normal. So we're, we're going to be having gatherings with people again. So you want to keep up on your current events and you don't want to be caught up or like a deer in headlights with not knowing what's going on in the world and, and acronyms that people are using trying to be seem like they're smarter than they are. So this is just a, a quick show on how to how to deal with those day-to-day conversations with people. Um, it was funny about 20 years ago, I was at a Christmas party or a, a work party and someone said that they worked in it. And then the other person said, you work for it. <laughs> what's it? What's it? And this is 20 years ago because 20 years ago, no one knew what it was really. Right. So, hmm. uh, so for those that are listening, it is information and technology. That's the sector that they work in anyway. So just so you're comfortable with different things that are going on. Um, Quickly, in our story, let me say that again. That's information and (laughs) technology. All right, thank you. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, Yeah. you're welcome. You're welcome. That's that one's on me. Um, The TSX, so Toronto Stock Exchange. That's what it stands for. It's 300 different stocks. Um, They changed their name back in 2002 to the S and P TSX. So people will be confused. The TSX or the S and P TSX. So not to be confused. It's the same thing. It just changed their name back in 2002. It's 300 companies in Canada that are listed on that exchange. So they're traded on a day to day basis. S&P 500, which is also confusing. So there's an S&P TSX, S&P 500. S&P 500 is a standard Poor's 500 stocks in the US. So they're different. One's, one's traded on the Canadian Stock Exchange, one's traded on the US Stock Exchange. So again, same type premise, just one's Canadian based and one's US based. Uh, the DJI, 
So that's the Dow Jones Industrial. Again, when you're watching TV, they'll usually list the S&P TSX, the S&P 500, and the DGI, or DJI, sorry, geez. Um, that's That only tracks 30 stocks in the US. So the big stocks that you'll hear of, Home Depot, Coca-Cola, American Express, those type of stocks. So it's not necessarily a gauge of what's going on in the world as broad as the S&P 500 or the, or the TSX. So I would look at the Dow Jones Industrial is really condensed into um, 30 specific stocks that they list. So it's not necessarily the 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 barrier or the, uh, the the barometer of what's going on in the market. It does list, you know, all those companies that I mentioned, J.P. Morgan, Walt Disney, and things like that. But it's not necessarily uh, the best index to look at, even though that's what they show on the TV all the time. Uh, Nasdaq. So Nasdaq is the tech stock index. So Nasdaq is again that's that's it follows three thousand different stocks. But again, the broader index or the smaller index, sorry, would be the NASDAQ 100. And that's normally what you'll see listed on the TV or on your computer is a NASDAQ 100. And that's more popular index for, for younger people because it's got the, the, the tech stocks listed. So you got your Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Google, Netflix, those types of stocks on that, on that index. Um, one thing that, that comes out of that index is something called FANG. And people say, Fang, what's Fang? Whenever you hear someone talk about Fang, Fang is your Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. So F-A-N-G, Facebook being the F, Amazon being the A, Netflix being the N, Google being the G. Often you'll see a Fang with a second A listed. So it'll be the F-A-A-N-G. So that would be when they include Apple. So again, all of these stocks that are listed on an exchange, um, they can all be part of those individual uh, stock indexes, but um, then they break them out into subgroups. So this FANG is is one that's a cool acronym that people use. Um, often Microsoft is included in that FANG, even though M's not in the word FANG or in the acronym FANG, but they'll, they'll include Microsoft in there. I don't think they've come up with a cool acronym to to include the M for Microsoft. So. Yeah, it's actually it's actually interesting. You know, the Dow Jones, like you mentioned, Jay, is is a subsection and it's only 30 stocks. But what they do is they often they'll pick a stock and they'll, you know, they'll lose a couple maybe every couple of years and they gain a couple because they really want to represent the overall market. And you're right, Jay, the S&P 500 has got them all. So it's got all the stock 500 companies, but it's actually does have some technology stocks in the Dow. Now, not the not the leading, not the new up and comers, but more of the the big ones, like again, Apple's in there and Microsoft, Intel are still in the Dow. So they still have some representation. So that's why they still like to look at the Dow, but not like NASDAQ, which has every single tech stock there is and uh, all the new and up and comers. So yeah, it's a, it, you know, it's nice to know what you're looking at when you're looking at these. And um, the S&P 500 for a lot of time was so slanted to the growth stocks. And the Dow was so slanted to the colored value stocks. And uh, you, you may have seen in the last few years how actually in the last year, Dow has only gone down maybe five or six percent this year, where the Nasdaq is still down in the late, you know, I think it's over 25 percent, 30 percent area. So, again, that just tells you right there, <laughs> technology down a lot, non-technology, not as much. And the S&P is kind of in the middle. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great comment, Don. Yeah, that's exactly it, too. And then when you're looking at those exchanges, too, they can be heavily weighted. Even though there's 300 different stocks in there, it can be heavily weighted on the on the top, top heavy with a couple stocks that are skewing the index. So if you see a couple of our big companies in the TSX, you know, Royal Bank, if it, if it gets hit hard in terms of the stock, it can really adjust how the stock market is reflected. So when we see the stock market go up and down, yeah, it's a reflection of those 300 stocks in the TSX example, um, but not necessarily is all 300 stocks going down at the same time. So that's a little bit misleading that people people think all the, all the stocks are going down. There are some cherries in there usually that have done well during the day. And mm -hmm. if you if you look on any type of uh, a website or something like that, you'll 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 see there's gainers and losers on every given day. So it, it all depends on what you're looking at. Um, those all 300 stocks don't go up and down at the same time. And again, this year is a great example of that. Shopify is part of the S&P um, TSX and it's had a horrendous year, but it was the largest company going into the year. Yeah. And, yeah. and Royal Bank, of course, has always been the long time one that's always been the largest. It seems that every time a technology company surpasses Royal Bank, next thing you know, it's, it's down in the dumps and it's off again. But right. anyway, yeah, one stock can really make a difference in, in, in our market. Yeah. And, you know, Royal Bank just took over some market share. They're looking at acquiring HSBC. So um, that's that's an interesting uh, a comment. So Royal Bank is getting bigger. Just since that came up and uh, and I forgot about this at the beginning of the show, what are your thoughts on RBC uh, looking to take over HSBC? Is this something that Canadians should be concerned about? Yeah, I think we've got our five big banks in Canada uh, that are still strong and they hold a, a foothold in our, our Canadian economy. But the RBC merger or the acquisition of HSBC, I think was more of an international play, looking at international business. Um, I haven't really researched it that much, but that's that's my first take on it. Don, what do you think about that? Yeah. You know, it's still got to pass the Competition Bureau. It sure. likely should. But again, um, you know, who, who's to say that's going to pass? So, you know, at the end of the day... Um, our banks are, are big for Canada, but they're not big for the world. Mm -hmm. The Royal Bank is still one of the big ones. That's the biggest here in Canada. But then you compare it to, say, uh, some, somewhere in the UK or Hong Kong or US, and it's still it's becoming bigger, but it's still not a major player yet. No, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, another acronym, IPO. So IPO is something called initial public offering. It's when a pump, a company goes public. So meaning the shares are no longer just invested in, with the employees or the owners of the company. You're letting the shares uh, be available to anyone out there. Anyone can buy in, into the company now. So it's it's something that is either bragging rights or can be looked at a, a, as frowned upon. So when you go public, now anyone can own your company. So if you're a mom and pop shop, I don't know, let's use someone like Fox 40. Uh, he's a long term, long time listener of the show and 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 on your show often, Scott. So Foxcroft, he doesn't, he's not publicly traded. So he can't, no one can just go in and buy shares of, of Fox 40 or, or Fluke Transport. He's got to, you have to know Fox. Ron Foxcroft in order to buy those shares. And if he's, I don't think he's going to be selling them to you. So, um, but you, there's other companies, you know, out there, there's uh, uh, bigger companies, Publix in the US, a huge company in the US, a grocery chain, um, $25 billion company is owned by their employees and their original owners. They get a thousand stores. So you think some of these, these companies that have, um, that are big should be on the stock market and they're not necessarily are. So they, they would issue an IPO, which would allow everyone, you and I, and 
done and, and everyone to buy into the company. So um, IPO, definitely something that, that that was the flavor of the month years ago. It's not as popular anymore. There's there's only a few dozen every year now that, that have come up in the last couple of years. Um, one thing that's come up recently is FTX. Um, so for all the young listeners that are listeners that are investing in crypto or, or like crypto, FTX. So it's the futures exchange. It was an exchange that um, had cryptocurrency. Um, it, it, it went bankrupt in the last last month. Um, everyone was using it as a, as a site to use to trade their cryptocurrencies, whether it be Bitcoin um, or other popular cryptocurrencies. And it had a fallout. Basically, what happened was people were trying to cash out their money and the, the FTX was highly leveraged. And when they're trying to cash out their money, the, the FTX wasn't able to, to fill those orders. So when you're not able to fill those orders and pay out the money to the to the, the consumers, um, you're, you're in a rock and a hard place. So they tried to get bailed out, but they didn't. Um, and um, over that time, over the, la the last month, um, that company went bankrupt. So FTX was a futures exchange traded uh, cryptocurrency uh, using cryptocurrency as the, as the, co the coins on cryptocurrency. Um, one last one that I'll go to is EBITDA. And EBITDA is, it sounds fancy and it's hard to understand, but it's earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. So basically it's the most widely used measure for valuing a company. So if you own a company and you want, or, or you're selling your company, you want, people want to know what is the EBITDA. So what is, how much money are you bringing into the company? Um, what's your ability or the health of the company to generate cash? So this is kind of before the accountants touch the money or touch the, the books, what are you actually making? How much money can this company make? So that's it. Um, that's all I got for, for today. Hopefully that can help you get through the holidays. That's going to be a fascinating cocktail party, Jay. That's all I can say. Uh, we well, are, uh, yeah. yeah. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG at 905 972-7420. All right, it's that time of year where we're seeing the best of lists, the countdowns, whatever. You've got a financial planning tips countdown here. Yes, yeah, so continuing from last week. And just, just to go back for a sec, um, I did mention about Royal Bank. It's still a big bank. Trust me, um, it's the 14th largest bank in the world. But mm -hmm. it's like a third the size, actually less than a third of the size of the largest bank. So just to put in perspective, yeah, it, it, big is better, bigger is better, and it's still a big player. Um, and, okay, HS, and HSBC, uh, they've only got a few percentage, like a, under 5% of the market here in Canada anyway, do they not? What is it, like 2%? Yeah, they're they're not uh, generally a big player here in Canada. They do a lot in Asia. So, yeah, right. they're, they're a big bank overall, but um, not necessarily just in this country. But they've okay. done well. Like, they've been a profit profitable bank for all these years, and, and it was for all the banks, I'm sure, we're all vying for to try to uh, buy them. And yeah. it looks like looks so far that Royal Bank's a winner, but I guess time will tell when that competitions bureau gets at it. So, mm -hmm. 
Uh, okay. Um, again, countdown from last week is get that will in place now. We talk about this all the time. Have you got that will in place? And it's funny. I you know we've been talking. We've been on the show uh, 18 years now, Scott. And it's, this is an ongoing battle, mm-hmm. and we're still at about 51 to 55 percent of Canadians have a will. And uh, sorry, um, do not have a will. Less right. than 50 percent. So you know what? Uh, it should be the other way around. In fact, if anything, it should be more a perfect world. 100 percent of people have a will, and it's just uh, one of those. Items that just makes life easier in the uh, in the event of a death, obviously, and and then what a lot of people don't realize, just when you become a, a common law relationship, you just you don't inherit anything unless you change that will, and so there's there's a lot of rules about a will. It just makes it simple. It's actually a, a selfless act, really is. You know, when you think about it, Don, considering the high rates of divorce now and there's so many blended families, you'd think they would do it just for that reason alone to clarify, you know, first, second, third families. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Yeah, we definitely see that with. Yeah, we see that with uh, with blended families uh, often, you know, they don't put the right planning in place and they, they end up something ends up happening. And often, you know, your second divorce, you're in your 50s or, or your second marriage, you're in your 50s. And then you end up getting married. And you've got these adult children that uh, basically get out of the will, because if there's a will in place, but everything's in the principal residence, um, the the new wife or the new, new common law inherits the house. And if that's your biggest ask, now the, now the children or the adult tr- children don't get anything or could possibly get nothing. So um, definitely want to put something in place where where there's planning or, or the will puts in place where, where funds are going to be going to those adult children, if that's your wishes. And we've come across so many situations. Blended families always makes it more complicated. And then this is where you really have to make sure, you know, what's fair um, in terms of what makes sense for the second spouse, perhaps. Uh, are they financially dependent on you? What happens? And and again, the will should change over time. It's It really is uh, something that, you know, maybe in the first few years of marriage, well, you you may not, well, I want all my kids to still be looked after. I was just, you know, 20 years in a common law or second marriage. So, you know what? Uh, we've been together long enough. Let's change this will again and make sure that's fair for him or her, the second husband or wife. So, no, things do change over time. And I know Jay and I and our whole team look at the wills quite frequently and say, okay, is this really what you want to say? Because w- most people, to be honest, once they have a will, they'll, they just check, done, in the box. I'm going to put it, put it away, file it. And, yes, I have a will. What does it really say? And this is where having a, a second set of eyes looking at it makes sense. So we often go through those to make sure that people still find it relevant to the situation they're in now. Um, and again, there's other things you could add to it. Uh, first of all, there's a testamentary trust that you want to leave things in a trust for you know, perhaps a spouse. They're not as advantageous as they used to be, but certainly for anybody that's uh, disabled, it makes a lot of sense. Or Somebody that's a, called a spendthrift, if you will, that you're worried that they're just going to rip through the money in short order and might be one of your kids and you want to protect them or you want to protect them from their spouse because trusts uh, are, you know, they're somewhat creditor proof or they, you know, they lack that chance of getting at, attacking the money, if you will. Because what happens is somebody all of a sudden has inherits, say, $500,000 and it's yes, it is. And let's say it's your son. Your son has this money and. You know, and they have some debts. And the first thing they want to do is pay off a mortgage, for example. It might make sense. But again, if there's a divorce rate after that, then you're, you know, the it's split equal, the house, the matrimonial home. 
So therefore, each of you would end up with half a house. And so you end up losing half your half of your parents' inheritance just because you paid off the mortgage. It may be the best thing to do, but these things do change. And this is something, it, this is all about a discussion. And it's so much easier to have this discussion with a third party involved than a husband and wife having this discussion. You can only imagine that where that can go to. So, so again, one thing is to have your will done. The next is to review the will you have now. Uh, second, uh, the next one is have a living will. We've talked about this before, having power of attorneys. Now, this would be both a general power of attorney, which looks after your assets, and a power of attorney for personal care. Both are extremely important. Both are separate documents. Um, a lot of people still think, okay, I just got my power of attorneys done. That's great. But they only have maybe one or the other. Generally, they'll have the general power of attorney, no pun intended, but uh, they often forget about getting the personal care power of attorney done. Now, now that we got hit that will thing as, as much as we could and make sure we got this great time to talk about wills just before in the month of December here. And well, by the way, welcome to December. What happened to this year anyway, guys? Yeah, really. That's yeah. a good, or even yeah. the last two and a half years for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> good, good point. Well, then the next thing, the next tip is to introduce your team to everyone that counts. So your spouse, your adult children, guardians should know who your accountants are, who your financial planner, who do you, who looks after the life insurance, you know, knows your team so that they have the contact information, ideally have a face-to-face -face introduction. I know with uh, you know, our whole team, it's practically mandatory to have a meeting with both the husband and the wife at a meeting. And it's not that, you know, I guess in the old, old days, it was, Okay, one person looked after the money and uh, you left the other person out. That has never been the case with IG. We've always wanted to bring both together because unfortunately, one person uh, becomes disabled or passes away. All of a sudden, it, there's an issue. There, it's like, but if you've left them involved in all of it, it's continuity. They know what happens. They knew what to talk. It ends up being, it's certainly obviously a big life event. But it's, it's another hurdle, and we just carry on with the remaining spouse. And this unfortunately happens every year with clients of our team. And we continue having those meetings with the survivor to make sure that person is well looked after. Number 10, we're ripping through these today. Decide how much cash flow you want from your investment portfolio in retirement. Now, this is a big deal. It's not... You know, the biggest fear is everybody does not want to run out of money. Number one fear when you're retired. I have an investment portfolio, and if you really have to drill it all down, I do not want to run out of money. And when we do our, our LPPs, um, Living Plan Portal, which is really just a, it's a living plan, we make these happen all the time to see how, do you, how are you doing? What is the likelihood you'll run out of money? This is part of the planning process. But another question is, how much do you really need from your investment portfolio? That's a different question. People often think, well, I'll just take this much a month. Well, have you really worked it out? And you don't, we don't want to put money in your bank account simply to have extra funds there that aren't, by the way, are earning zero. And there's also a chance that they can just be spent on frivolous things if the money's sitting there. And that's fine if you can afford to. But with building a longevity risk into things now and inflation, we really need to have the money invested as long as possible. Everybody seems to underestimate 
how long they're going to live, number one, and how long, how much they think they're going to need down the road. And it's it, and also they always seem to underestimate what life events may cost money because we don't know what we don't know. We don't know that all of a sudden there may be some you know, repair that we didn't know of, or a dental cost that was $5,000, for example, for uh, an implant or something like that, that's not built into your plan. Or hearing aids. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> speaking from experience on the, uh, on, <laughs> on the implant uh, this last past week too, by the way. So, so creating that retirement paycheck is extremely important, but having inflation built into the plan having the Monte Carlo analysis, which is taking into account the ups and downs of the stock market. This is all part of creating that cash flow at retirement. It's like nice and easy when you're working. Every two weeks, you get this check or whatever the case is, every month, every twice a month, and you spend whatever you need and you save a part of it. But now it's a different ballgame. Now it's not about really trying to save any money. It's about what, let's maximize fun. Let's try to maximize your life to live the life you want to live and, and have money go in your bank account of what you need. So with that, we got to build, and which is number 11, by the way, build a monthly budget. And we talk about this as, uh, again, budget seems to be a four-letter word, even though it's five letters. But, uh, sorry, six letters. <laughs> 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 I had to count that quick. But uh, really, we need to look at that. Clearly, Don, this is not, you're not scripting this right you're just going off the cuff here because uh, oh. you would have known that it was six letters uh, I, could you guys could you guys speak up a bit i can't hear you no no i'm <laughs> never mind let's move on put that budget put that hearing aid into the budget anyhow uh yes it's uh um really we had to break it down is what is your lifestyle with everything and go through this um in a very detailed manner which we we do and this is why it's hard i know when we uh, go with clients data they often think well here's and they send us this is what we spend i can tell you right off the bat 95 percent of the time they're missing things i might be low on the 95 percent. how about you jay yeah <laughs> a little bit low yeah so most people are missing items on on what they're spending things on and but the nice thing is then you can do a bare bones budget what do you need to spend so the first one would include all the discretionary things. For example, you know, you might be a photographer, you spend a bunch of money there, or you might get golf lessons or, or cruises, whatever your thing is to do. And they, that's in your, your normal budget. But then you say, okay, what's the bare bones? What do I have to spend? Which would include you know, home repair, gas, you know, telephones, etc. The really must have. And then at least you know, here's the range I could spend. From having a great life with all the discretionary, with having a bare bones one, and that's not necessarily where you want to go, but it gives you an idea how much discretionary you have in there. Yeah, we use uh, when we're doing those LPPs, we'll use necessity versus discretionary, right? So, what's what's ne what's your necessities to survive and and keep life going, and then your discretionary, what and you separate those two, and it's it's interesting when you and you were mentioning Don about talking with a husband and wife, and often we'll have you know everything in the household is 
definitely you've got your necessities, but those discretionary spends are different for a husband and wife. And that's why that's why we meet with both of them and say, okay, well, what's important to both of you? Um, what's what's the discretionary spending on uh, the husband's side, and what's the discretionary spending on on the on the wife's side or this other spouse's side? So yeah, it's definitely something you need to go through because if you're just meeting with the husband or just meeting with the wife, they don't always know what all that other discretionary spending is and sometimes it can end in a domestic but uh, <laughs> often often it's a, a good exercise to go through just to say okay this is what we're spending our spending our money on transparency is very good eventually okay so it's yeah. very important because running out of money is the worst thing anybody wants to deal with you know, it's bad enough having to do this with your own spouse. You guys have to do it with everybody. So I don't know how you do that. <laughs> We're counselors. Yeah, <laughs> really. There, there is some of that to it, no question. Now, the, the next one here, the next tip is we got to take the need for a long life seriously. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we always seem to underestimate our longevity. And so you go back to, you know, way back, say, the 1920s, males would live about 13 years after 65. Females would live to about, you know, 13 and a half years, 78. Now we're looking at, you know, 84 for males and 87 for females. So it's, it's a big difference. And you, you think about how much money do we really need? Well, if you had, let's say you had a, you know, you needed $50,000, okay, uh, to live on. And you thought, okay, well, is that going to be enough? Well, it depends how long you're going to live. How much money do I need? So, yeah, life expectancy makes a big difference. So, as an example, let's, uh, going back, let's say you had a million dollars and you invested that at 5%. And if you knew you're only going to live to 78, you can live a pretty good life at $104,000 a year. Okay. And by the way, back in the 1920s, there's a whole lot of people that didn't even make retirement. So, the chances yeah. of making 65 are so much greater. So, that's again, thanks for giving us a job, everybody. This longevity has really uh, made us valuable for that. But again, it, once you make it to 65, how much you live past that is amazing. Um, to live to 85, you would need, if you live to 85, that million dollars, you've now gone from 104,000 a year at 5%, by the way, interest. And now you're, you're going to get a 76,000 a year income. That's a big drop because you lived an extra 10 years. And if you live to 95, your income is now 62,000 a year to make that money last to that age. And that means you had no money on that age. So at the end of the day, people are living a lot longer. In fact, males now, one in four males, will make it to 95. And one in three females will make it to 95. And in spite of all those domestics that Jay was bringing up, <laughs> one in two, one out of the two in the couple situation, female or male, make it to 95. 50%, wow. 50%. So when we talk about planning to 95, this is not smoke and mirrors. This is the real thing. We mm -hmm. have to plan to 95, one and two. So yes, uh, longevity actually increases by a large amount for a married couple versus a single single person. So we we plan for this. We we all our all our data and our projections go to 95. We can nice thing is we can do the what ifs. What if we live to 100? And that will in fact it won't be long till that will be the norm because really. With longevity is going up by about a 3% difference increase every year right now. So it's massive. So again, we build in this longevity risk into every plan. 
and it's and it's so necessary. So again, we'll continue this countdown next week. We're planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. This is going to be interesting. It's not easy to make money for anyone, really, I guess, Jay. No, not at all. Recently, there was an article that came out, uh, I believe it was in the Global Mail, about the Bank of Canada uh, reporting its first ever loss in 87 years. And before everyone panics and thinks the world's coming to an end, um, they've got parameters in place to fix this, as as they do. But they, they lost $522 million in the uh, up to the third quarter of 2022. This is a 77% loss compared to the year before. And, you know, you look at it and we were talking just off air here a little bit about crypto and how it's down 63% on the year and it's really difficult to make money. So the Bank of Canada is even losing money. So everyone's having troubles this year on on making money. The Bank of Canada, um, the way they lost their money was was basically on the interest paid on deposits uh, was the major driver in the loss. So it's not, like I said, it's not just individuals that are struggling or businesses that are struggling to make money. It's just not easy to make money in these recent markets, whether you're the bank Canada or or Don Fox or Jay Llewellyn or, or Scott Thompson, um, you know bonds bonds have been very uh, or fixed income has been very uh, challenging this year. Um, it's it's been the first time I think in the in the my short twenty five or twenty six years where I've seen back to back years where fixed incomes down. I don't know Don in the last 35, 40, 36 years have you seen it where it's been back to back? No, it hasn't actually because when I was uh, started with IG back in. 85 the interest rates were dropping all the way through so you know bonds were doing very well prior to that in the late 70s the exact opposite there was back to back to back years of negative returns because of how much interest rates were rising so yeah this is an anomaly we haven't seen this for over 40 years Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's tough for for clients where we put them into fixed income, and a lot of portfolios are your are sixty forty mix with sixty percent in stocks, forty percent in, in fixed income, or seventy thirty mix where they think that forty percent or that thirty percent is safe and it's going to be it's just going to truck along and get your three or four or five percent every year. But the last two years has been really really tough, and then of course uh, we've seen it with the stock markets, lots of sell offs in 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 stocks where the where equities are down and, and crypto. And, and things like that are down. Uh, credit weakening, higher interest rates. Um, currency has also remained volatile during this time. So people think, you know, safe haven was currency. Um, and it's also been volatile. So it's been tough to make money anywhere. The only place really where you where you could have made money or where you did make money in the last year would have been cash. And, you know, Don and I used to call cash a four letter word. It's not a six letter word like budget, but. <laughs> you know, I got to really stop playing Wordle because I thought everything was a five letter word. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, cash, cash used to be a four-letter word because it was so there was so, it was so poor. Like you, your bank accounts were getting negative or nothing re- returns on, on the account if you if you factor in inflation. So 
but cash this year um, remained, remained well, not to say that cash should be a part of everyone's for, portfolio, but it does have a place. So it was a, it was a safe haven this year. So um, we know we're not at the end of the year yet, but it, it definitely was an area where people were able to make some money. So there's definitely opportunities um, out there looking at fixed income going forward. So we said there's the last two years, we haven't had uh, 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 two years like this in a long time. So does that pro- uh, provide an opportunity? Should we be looking at fixed income? So when we look at people's portfolio, um, it's an excellent time to revisit and, and see what their goals are, see what what's important to them in terms of their investment, what's important to them in terms of risk tolerance. So when people thought that fixed income couldn't go down, um, and now it has, now it's time to revisit and say, wait a minute, what 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 actually are these these investments and how do they work? So we, we love sitting down with clients, um, any listeners that want us to sit down with them we'd be happy to review their portfolios and go through uh any opportunities or corrections or adjustments that need to be made um again often we find that it's not in line um people will often be too aggressive or too conservative so you think about it if you if you want to retire in 10 years and we got lots of people that come into the office that that want to retire in the next 10 years um and they start they say that well i want to start saving now well you know i never say it's too late to start saving um but your investment approach um if you've got 10 years to save versus your investment approach, if you've got 40 years to save is significantly different. If you've been saving for 40 years and plugging away and, and making sure your goals are going to be a, a, attained, um, the investment approach is a lot more conservative likely than someone that's got 10 years that really has to start sacking away money and take a lot more aggressive approach on their investment philosophy. Um, you know, they, they, they use, uh, Don was talking about it earlier about draining your money from your investments and, and how do you, how do you make it last forever? There was a study back done back in 1994, and they use a 4% rate of redemption that should be good enough to last for your entire retirement. And again, with longevity, if you're living longer, that that study that was done back in 1994 saying you could pull out 4%, well, um, it's probably not. 4% 4% anymore because if you're living till 95 and back in 94, they weren't expecting to live till 95. So that 4% rate of, of redemption based on, um, on, on what you've saved in your retirement probably isn't realistic. So you need to sit down with a financial planner and go through the what if scenarios, go through a proper indexing of inflation, go through the proper indexing of, of, of your expenses going forward and reasonable rates of return. Um, it's, it's really important to go through all these factors. Don and I do it on a daily basis, but most people don't look at all those things. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Quick break here and return with our last segment coming up moments from now. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, some tips here to combat inflation. Boy, everybody's feeling the pinch, it seems. Even my uh, daughter, who's a student, said, do you know how much I just spent on groceries? So, man, everybody's <laughs> noticing this. 
Well, for your daughter's sake, I don't know if they ever bought groceries before. So this is a big deal for all these students <laughs> that actually have to buy groceries for this first time. Well, even when you compare it to the price of pizza, I guess. Okay. I, exactly. <laughs> it's like, wow, this stuff. My parents have been paying for this all the time. Holy smokes, I ate a lot. Anyhow. Good point. Good point. And I'm going to bring that up to her, Don. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, inflation is at 40-year highs. And you're seeing the consumer price index this particular year which is about 7%. And again, your personal inflation rate, whether it be pizza or student uh, grocery stores, the grocery store, your daughter's absolutely right. It's up around 12% plus this year. Groceries are insane. In fact, I've seen restaurants actually cut back on certain things because they were just too mm. expensive, such as salad, because a head of lettuce was so expensive. So they made different salads. That's unbelievable. So yeah, and on top of that, you've got interest rates doubling. So for those that are investing, hey, no problem. You're getting a higher interest rate with the investments. But that's not necessarily the case for everybody. And there's a lot of people on debt have line of credits or mortgages that have come up or or variable rate mortgages that are based on the current interest rates. And the interest rates have doubled. So your interest payments have gone up considerably. And add that to the inflation rate, which they don't even count by the way, it's been a it's been a struggle for a lot of people. So first thing I would look at is how do you combat this? How do you say, okay, I want to, I, I, I got to beat this. And it's not even if you want to, it, it's a need to, you really need to do this because otherwise other things will fall off or credit card bills will start to get higher and it's a debt spiral and nobody wants to go down that road. So first thing I would do is let's make a game out of it. Why don't you and your spouse or significant other get together and say, how can we drop our monthly bills by and pick a number, $200, $300, $400 and say, let's make it a bit of a game and see what we can do. And then we'll celebrate once we find a way to do this. And a good, a good thing is really, first thing you need to do is go through all your expenses, every single one and dissect them. And you may find that there's a lot of things you're not even using anymore. They just happen to be recurring. We all have those recurring memberships, if you will, that just happen, whether it was something you always had and you just forgot about in some cases. And, it was interesting. Uh, in, in 2021, Consumer Reports said 70% of people that tried to negotiate lower prices for cable TV, internet, and home phones, home phones got a reduction. 70%. All you have to do is call. And, and so this is very fast. And again, like I said, life changes. So even the fact this is, yes, I need internet. You really need the high-speed internet. You know, that maybe when you had all your kids at home, maybe you're empty nesters now. Before you used to when they were gaming or whatever or doing Zoom calls. But now you might be okay with, you know, a second tier and, and save yourself, you know, $10 or $15 a month. Um, check the providers that you're dealing with on their websites. See what deals they have. It's interesting. The deals they have are always for new customers. They're not for the existing ones. So they're trying to attract the new ones. But if you've got that in your back pocket, you at least know what the new customers are going to be paying versus what you're paying. Um, and first thing you do is speak to a retention specialist. Call them up and say, okay, I'd like to speak to this because their job is to try to keep you. It's always harder to get new customers than it is to keep old ones. And again, their job also is to not give you too much of a good deal. Okay. They want to save the bottom line. So it's really negotiating, but you want to, you want to bring down those expenses. So to, a negotiation tip, according to Harvard Law School, is to ask open-ended questions. For example, 
I, I really like your services, but I would like to cut costs because of inflation. What can you do to help me? Okay, and it's just a very firm answer, you know, very firm question. And say, okay, and they have to now elaborate. They can, they, they're on the defense now. Say, wow, okay, this one's serious. And by the way, you still got in your back pocket all what they're asked, they're giving to the new customer, the new customers. Push back. Don't take that first offer. Like I said, their job is is to not impact the bottom line. So it's interesting. The ones that were nice people, and they study this over many, many people uh, trying to negotiate, the warmer, friendly person ended up paying 15% more. Okay, so I'm not saying don't be you know, a jerk about this, but be <laughs> firm and say, you know, I'm looking at your website and I could get this for X amount and you're, I'm, you're charging me this much. I deserve this. And let's see. And it says, how can you make it that I can get that price? And again, another open-ended question. Um, and when you finally do end up negotiating, get it all in writing, do the same thing with your health clubs, your home alarm, your pest control, your auto shirt, your home and auto insurance. Uh, one way there may be to raise the deductible. Um, credit cards, you can ask them about lowering the interest rate. Um, hot water tanks, uh, there's all sorts of different areas that you can look to reduce costs. The grocery deals, this is interesting. You should definitely go online and see what deals they have before you go shopping. Because mm. then you can add that to your list. And then go shop on a Wednesday. Did you know, Scott, that 70% of everybody sh doing the grocery shopping does it between Thursday and Sunday? Not surprising. Yeah, you know, that's why it's so busy. Yeah. So all those deals they offer are the ones that show up on a Wednesday. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> they no, it's true. pick some clean. Yeah. So they always you look at hey, this was on sale and it's empty. That's because you went on a Saturday with everybody else. So even uh, subscribe to or or you know, ask somebody else who has a subscription to concern reports, you know, you can look at very quality products that have been rated and you can buy the exact same or very similar item that's got the same rating but it costs significantly less. A good example was a coffee maker. One was $130, one was $30. Both hmm. had the exact same rating. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so a little bit of homework can go a long way. And you think about it. You know, if in this particular case, that's $100 savings. How long does it take you to make $100? Mm -hmm. Good After point. Tax. It may be worth your while to maybe do a little bit of homework and then do the shopping. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Another great show, gentlemen. Thanks so much. Have a great week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.